tells us that. He wasn't ignorant of God. He followed Paul through many of his ministries. Paul considered him his own son in the faith. And when God decided to use a young man by the name of Timothy to now become a pastor in Ephesus, he was scared. <laughs> he, he was nervous. This young man uh, now had a great responsibility to, to not only God and not only Paul, but now to a church. He had a lot of responsibility laid upon his shoulders, and the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy are really books of encouragement to Timothy on how to be a good pastor, how to be a prosperous pastor, how to be one that uh, can reach the hearts of those and encourage the hearts of those that are attending the church there. Now, when we come to this passage of Scripture... Take your Bibles with me and turn to first or Second Timothy chapter number four and verse number five. You're good. I'm good back there. I just turned it which way? What am I doing here? Up or down? Prayer. There we go. All right. Newfangled things. All right. So the the the, the title of the message is. Simply this, it's not a question, it's not an option. Can I, can I just say that? It's not an option. This is not something that you can say, well, you know, that applies to so-and-so, uh, doesn't really necessarily apply in my life. It does. The message is do the work of an evangelist. James says that we ought to be what? Doers of the word and not hearers only. How many would say, I've heard about the gospel, I heard and understand that we are to be uh, commissioned to go into all the world and preach the gospel and that the power of the Holy Spirit will be upon us. We've heard all that, amen? We can say amen, amen? amen. All right, so now the question is, are we a doer of the word? We know what the word says. We're not ignorant Christians. You're not a babe in Christ. Right. You're a mature child of God. But do we act as such? So James encourages us to be a doer of the word. Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. So the Apostle Paul is coming down to his last days in his life when he's writing down this book. He's awaiting a trial that would eventually claim his life. He comes to Timothy, or Timothy actually writes to him. Paul's response is in 2 Timothy. And he begins to tell Timothy concerning the task. Now, Paul is not one to give advice that has not experienced it himself. Everything that Paul gives is something that he has experienced, something he's been involved with. As a matter of fact, he knows what it's like to be an evangelist. He knows what, it, what is an evangelist. Well, let me share this with you. I'm going to give you a quick definition. An evangelist is one who teaches and preaches the peace, the pardon, the righteousness, the life, and salvation of Christ. 
That is one that, that is an evangelist or does the work of an evangelist. So evangelism is when you and I go out and tell others about the love of Christ. That's what it is. As simple as that. How many have been told about the love of Christ in your life? We all should raise our hand, amen? If you're saved, you raise your hand. I've been told about the love of Christ. I've been told many times about the love of Christ from this very pulpit. I remember my kinsman preaching. I remember that vividly, that he was preaching on the love of Christ, preaching on hell, and he always would end the message that if you, do, if you knew for sure, if you go to, if you go to heaven uh, tonight, he, if you knew without a hundred percent, I remember him closing the message. I was preached the love of Christ. And therefore I received the love of Christ. He was doing the work of an evangelist. And so we, when we do the work of an evangelist, it's teaching and preaching those about Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. The reason we should memorize that verse is because there's nothing that I can do to add what Christ did. That's right. The moment that you think that I need to do something more is the moment you're telling God he didn't do enough. Mm. Do you follow that? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. The moment you say, I need to add to my salvation, I need to do this and do this and do this. I need to be baptized to be saved. I need to join the church to be saved. No, 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 no. You need to trust Christ to be saved. That's it. Anything beyond that, you're saying, God, you didn't do enough. Or your blood did not cover enough. So Paul, he knows what it's like to be an evangelist. He knows what it's like to tell others about Christ. Go with me to the book of Acts. I enjoy the book of Acts, especially uh, toward the end with Paul. Now, Paul, uh, I had uh, uh, brought a lesson on how to witness. You ever like to know how to witness? There's not just one way of witnessing, amen. There are several ways of witnessing, and one of these Paul uh, does in, in the book of Acts in chapter number 17 there in, uh, in Greece. When he goes there to, uh, uh, to Athens there and, and talks to the, those that are uh, praying even to this unknown God, you realize that there are those that you may come in contact with that have no idea who God is. No idea about a loving God. So what does Paul do in order to witness? He goes all the way back to creation. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. But now in the book of Romans, they know about God. They know who He is. So He doesn't go to creation. He goes right to justification. He goes right to tell them they do not even need to add the law to, the, to any of their works. They just need to trust in Christ. So there's different ways uh, to, to uh, uh, give the gospel of Christ. But when you come to the book of Acts, chapter number 26, you'll find that Paul is in front of King Agrippa. Now, King Agrippa... Uh, was there listening to his trial. And Paul recites what God told him his mission was. And this is exactly what our mission should be in life. Exactly what we ought to expect as well. Verse number 15. All right? This is right after he's talking about uh, that I've kicked against the pricks. He said, and he said, who, uh, I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. All right, he's referring back to Acts chapter 9. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. All right? Yeah. To make thee a minister and a witness, both of the things which thou hast seen 
and of those things which will appear unto thee. Let me ask you this. How many have a testimony about how God has worked in your life? Amen. Well, we've got, I've got story upon story. I could be here all day long telling you story about how God has worked in our life. And I could use that to help witness to someone else because they need to see God work in their life. How can God work in my life? Do you realize the world is searching for something? Do you realize the world is searching for something to ful fulfill them? Fulfill their need, fulfill their purpose, fulfill their reason for living. Do you realize the suicide rate is astronomical? Because they have no idea that there's a purpose for them in this life. But we do have an idea. And the purpose for us is to be a minister and a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a testimony on how God works in your life, even if it's only you talk about your salvation. If that's the only testimony that you give, that is one of the most greatest testimonies that you could ever give. That's right. That's right. Your salvation. Are you glad you're saved this morning? Say amen. amen. All right. If you're glad you're saved this morning, say hallelujah. I'm going to bring you back to West Virginia, all right? Hallelujah. I've got a lady in our church. She's my hallelujah girl. She comes from a Pentecostal background. I praise God for her. She, she just goes at it all the time. She says, come on, preacher. Come on. I like that. I'm trying to tell her to rub off on somebody else, you know, to get some, get some reaction out of everybody else. Now, now listen. You love the Lord, don't you? Yes. That's right. How much? Come on now. How much do you love God? You see, we recite John 3.16. That God so loved the world that he gave. Do you love God enough that you'll give? So Paul is reciting here to King Agrippa his purpose. He says there uh, of these things, witness both of these things which thou hast seen and which the things that thou will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Well, why? All right, I know my mission. Why do you want me to do this? Why do you want me to evangelize? Why do you want me to tell others about Christ? Verse number 18, to open their eyes. And to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now he's saying that your reason for telling them about me is so that their eyes can be turned from, from darkness unto light. We sing amazing grace. I once was blind, but now I see. Amen. We were turned from darkness to light. We were turned there, it says there, from the power of Satan unto God. Ephesians says that we were the children of God in our, in our state of being unsaved. We were the child of God, or child of the devil. We were under the power of the prince and power of the air. We walked as children of darkness. But now, God says, I want you to turn them from that darkness to light so they might understand. And when they're saved, they'll have an inheritance in heaven. Amen? For God said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye may be also. I'm looking for that day when I'm going to have that mansion in heaven. Amen? Well, you ought to be glad that somebody turned your, turned your, your eyes from the darkness unto light. And he says the only way you can do this is through faith. Now, this faith is not the verb faith. There are two types of faith in the Bible, all right? The one is a noun faith. 
faith, meaning your practice, meaning your faith in Christ, meaning your salvation. Paul says that we ought to, uh, he talks much about the faith in Christ. That means our steadfastness, our rooted ability, our faith in our salvation. Listen, it is a noun, but then in our faith, we are to practice faith. We are to have a verb. We are to have an action in our life, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You and I ought to practice faith. But here he says that they will have inheritance, and we know that the Bible says incorruptible. Amen? And they can only do that and only have that if they're saved. And they'll only get saved if you tell them. So now, Timothy, you have a lot of responsibility. You are to be or do the work of an evangelist. Go back with me in 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 1. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. When you're there, say amen. amen. All right, five, six, seven. How many are there? Amen? amen? All right, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, I charge thee therefore, that means he challenges them. This is an order. Therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, he says, preach the word. Boy, that's powerful right there. Isn't that a message in itself? No pun intended. Preach the word. He says, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, for the time will come. Why do I need to preach this word, Timothy? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Let me ask you this. Are we not living in that day today? Well, I tell you, if we're not living in the day now, I don't know when we will because we are living in the day when no one wants to hear the truth. No one wants to be found in a church that preaches the truth. They'd rather go to a church, as the Bible says here, that they shall, uh, but after their own lust, heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They want to be tickled. They want to be told something good. They want to walk in, praise God, 30 minutes through song, have a little 15-minute challenge, grab a cup of joe on the way out, and see you next Sunday. My friend, that's not church, amen? That's not where I grew up. That's not my heritage. Church is where you and I come to worship God to let the Holy Spirit bring into light the things that are in my life that need change and challenge and rearrange. Amen? I ought to walk out of here convicted. I ought to walk out of here grown. I ought to walk out of here a different individual every time you're in church. Church, you want to go to church and just play church? Go three blocks up this way. Oh, oh, trust me. You, you folks that know me, I know what church is. That's right. Come on. But I also know what having faith in Christ is. Come on. And I also know what being convicted is. Come on. I'll tell you something. It is important, as he was telling Timothy, to preach the word. He says, for time will come when they shall uh, not endure sound doctrine. Verse number four. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. Why? Because they'll come. Preaching the word of God does not go without afflictions. Who's, 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 he, who's writing this? Yeah, Paul. <laughs> Paul's writing it. He, he can absolutely say there's a lot of afflictions. There's a lot of endurance. I've gone through beatings. I've gone through jail time. 
I've got scars and bruises and I've got open wounds on my wrist right now as I write this to you. I've been left for dead. Listen, there's afflictions. But our light affliction isn't to be compared to the glories of heaven. He says here there's going to be afflictions. And he says, but listen, in all things, I want you to do this, Timothy. Do the work of an evangelist. Why do we have this gospel crusade? It's to do the work of an evangelist. It's to tell others about Christ. It's to give others the opportunity to understand their need for Christ. Now I know we sow the seed. There's visitation programs, there's bus ministries, there's individual face-to-face contact. We sow the seed. That's absolutely what, what needs to be done. Psalm 126, 5 and 6 says that they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Well, there's fruit in that labor, is it not? I've led folks to the Lord, you've led folks to the Lord, and what a joy that is in our life when we do that. But now we want to do it on a larger scale. We want to have a greater outreach. We want to have an arm that will try to encompass a greater area and give more opportunity. Years ago, Billy Graham used to preach to thousands upon thousands of individuals, and thousands upon thousands got saved. I believe with all my heart, I really do. But the problem was that they weren't disciples. Many got saved. Auditoriums were filled. But they were never disciples. And now we have generations of generations of people that were once saved or uh, or that were saved and never went to church, never got grounded in the Word of God. And now we have generations upon generations that could have been generations of Christians. That's right. That's good, brother. Come on. See, so the idea, the desire, the goal... It's to see many saved and then also disciples. That's right. So we're praying for God to bring in many individuals from our areas to come to be a part of this that need the gospel. You folks need some, or know somebody that need the gospel. You know co-workers, friends, families, spouses mm-hmm. that need the gospel. Yeah. What an opportunity it is to bring them in and then we'll have an opportunity to see them grow in the Lord because our desire would be to have them be a part of one of the churches around, to see them grow. Can I give you just three things? I know my time's short. 1130? All right. You listen fast, I'll talk fast. All right? If you get done before I do, just hang on. I'll catch up, all right? (laughs) Why do the work of evangelists? Because of time. Well, that's the thing there. Three things. You can write them down. First one, because of time. Go with me uh, back to the book of Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1. Why now? Why an outreach now? Why in, in, in May? Why do we do this now? Well, because it's time. Yeah. It's time. Look what he says in chapter number 3 and verse number 1 of 2 Timothy. This I know that in the last days perilous times shall come. And by the way, he is referring to those last days as the day when Christ rose from the dead. 
He's talking about the New Testament. He's talking about the resurrection. When Jesus rose from the dead, all of a sudden, in Paul's mind, did he not say there in Thessalonians there, where he said, And we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord? He was thinking in these last days, God's going to call us home. So it's so important, Timothy, in these last days, perilous times will come. Jesus is coming soon, and the, the world will be getting worse. So he says here, in these last days, perilous times will come. If Paul said that in his day, what are they like today? Oh, amen. 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 Years ago, we used to blush at sin. Years ago, we used to be cowered, uh, cowered away from it. We used to hide from it. But you know what we do today? We parade it down Main Street and applaud at it. Yes. Yes. Perilous times have come. Perilous times are here. Why should we do the work of an evangelist? Why should we have a big outreach? Why? Because of the time of day of that we're living in now. It's perilous times. He said, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, uh, covetous boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Oh, we could rest there, could we not? We could rest there. You want to talk about abortion? We could rest. There's no natural affections anymore. Truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despises those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of God, or lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We live in times that is necessary to be aggressive with the gospel. It's not time to be passive. But you and I need to be aggressive with the gospel of Christ. You say, preacher, well, what's my part in it right now? Well, we ought to be praying, amen. We ought to be asking God to help, to, to help us individually, praying for open doors of invitation, praying for open doors to invite those that uh, are looking for a church and say, listen, we're having a wonderful outreach. It's a wonderful opportunity. We ought to be praying for God's power, praying for the Holy Spirit to begin to work in those that we are inviting, and even in our own selves. Boy, I tell you what we were talking and we were praying about, there ought to be a revival in my own heart in order for this to all even have a great effect. I ought to be revived and be anxious for God to do a great work in my life. Hey, by the way, we always should be revived, amen? Uh, revival meetings are just a set of days set apart, but revival takes place when I submit to God, submit to His leading, and are rekindled in what God wants to do for me in my life and gets me back in track. Well, we ought to have revival always in our life, amen? Not just once a year. Amen? Y'all here? Amen? So Timothy is being told of Paul because of the times Having the form of godliness, verse 5, and denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Complete apostasy. For the sort are they which creep into houses uh, and lead captivity, or lead captive silly women laden with sin, led away with divers lusts. It means, it means that these, these uh, apostates, these, these teachers of, of, of mingling the law with, with gospel, and they, they go into the, to the weak, they go into the ladies, and they go into the homes there and try to take them away from the truth of the gospel. And we are surrounded, encompassed 
by churches all around that are, are, that are intermingling or polluting or diluting the very Word of God which you and I have in our, in our hand right now. You and I have an accurate, preserved, very Word of God that is holy, it's, it's righteous, it's inerrant, it's infallible, it's ever-living, and it's alive, and it also is able to make one wise unto salvation. We have the most wonderful gift that God has ever given you and me. Listen, he says that the reason we ought to do this work is because of the time that we are living in today. We live in days unlike before. Families are torn apart. Societies are at odds with one another. Churches are left with no accountability. Do you realize that? Churches have no accountability in their eyes before God. I could not stand with a good conscience as a preacher and tell somebody that all you need to do is do good and love God. Do you realize that 57% of regular churchgoers say that they have never had a religious experience? In other words, they've never been saved. 50%, 57% of churchgoers, now you have to understand who the churchgoers are, not just the Baptist churches, but I'm talking about those that would attend a church, a church. 57%, 50% of Christians think that most non-Christians have no interesting, uh, in, nothing, in, or they have no interest in hearing the gospel. Half of our church feel that no one that is unsaved or those that are unsaved doesn't really want to hear about the gospel. That's a shame, isn't it? 78% of the unchurched would listen to someone who would tell them about the gospel. That means 28% would never hear. If only 50% of the church is telling about the gospel of Christ and 78% would say, I would listen to somebody. That means 28% of those people never hear the gospel of Christ because we aren't doing our job. 8% of regular church attenders believe that sharing their faith is very important. 50%, 52% of proclaiming Christians believe that non-Christian religion, get this, can have or can give them eternal life. Non-Christian religion. In other words, Muslim and all that above. Well, as long as they go to church. No, it's not about church. It's about Christ. Why do the work of evangelists? It's all about Christ. Preacher, do you care where they go to church? No. I don't care where they go to church before they're saved. It's not my job to make them change churches. I tell them it's like this. It's like this. They are, they are driving or they are going in a direction that they shouldn't. I and my job is to tell them they're going in the wrong direction. Come on now. Now it's God's job to tell them what vehicle to get into to keep going. Yeah. You think God not work on my heart as a as a former Catholic boy, altar boy? Do you not think God worked on my heart about continuing to attend a Catholic church? Took three years. And then I finally left. God will change the heart of the individual. 
It's not my job to change the heart. It's my job to tell them they're going the wrong direction. That's right. So doing the work of the evangelist is telling others about Christ, but then also not because of just the time, but then also because of the power, the power of God. Boy, I tell you what, the power of God is so, it's at our fingertips, but yet, we don't utilize it. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God and the salvation to who? who, who to who? Everyone that believeth. Amen? To the Jew first and then also to the Greek. And there is a wonderful reference of the book of Jonah. Amen? Where God says, I want to go to my children first, but because they rejected me, I'm going to go to the heathen, I'm going to go to the Gentile nation. So now to the Jew first, but they rejected, and now also to the Greek, which God says is the power unto salvation. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of that. You and I ought not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God that leadeth everyone to salvation. Look with me in chapter 3 in 2 Timothy in verse number 14. He says here, he says, But continue thou in all things, in, in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise in the salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and it's profitable. I like that word profitable, amen? I like profit. I don't like to be in the hole. I like to have some left over. God said His Scripture, all Scripture, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be uh, perfect, thoroughly, thoroughly furnished. You know what that means? Inside out. Right. Now, some Bibles say thoroughly, but my Bible says thoroughly. I believe it goes inside out. God's going to do a work in me, and then it's going to show on the outside. Amen? God's still doing... You know that song? He's still working on me. Make me what I ought to be. He's still working on me. See? God is working on the inside out. How? Through the Scriptures. Why should we have an evangelistic outreach? Why should we have the, the gospel crusade? It's to let God do a work in people's lives inside and out. Yes. It'll do work through you and me too. We're not there just to attend. We're there to be stirred. Hey. Amen? Yeah. Sometimes we need to be stirred. Peter says, I, I want to put this into remembrance mm. to stir you up. Mm. Amen? Yeah. I need to be stirred up. I need to be agitated. Do you know they took agitators out of the washers? Y'all yeah. yeah. ladies like that? Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't like to have, you, uh, you know, unravel the towels around that agitator? That agitator, you know what that did? That got the dirt out. When there's no agitator, you don't get as clean. You know what the Holy Spirit is? That's your spiritual agitator. Amen? Uh, you, 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 need, you need to be agitated every now and then. And get, get fired up and be stirred be, and put in remembrance. Why do we need to have this evangelistic outreach? Why do the work of an evangelist? Well, because of the power of God to be displayed. It's the power of God that is needed in families today. Would you agree on that? Yeah. 
It's the power of God that is needed in the life of a dad. It's the power of God that's needed in the life of a wayward child. It's the power of God that's needed in in the life of a family that's looking for something and searching for something, but they don't know what. It's the power of God that's needed in our society, in our judicial system, in our government. It's the power of God. Why do we have this evangelistic outreach? So the power of God can have an effect on this community, on this region, on this area. We need the power of God to be effective in our local churches, amen? Oh, how we need the power of God in our life. So not only because of the the time and the power of God, but because the people need to hear it. The people need to hear it. He says here in chapter 1, or chapter 4 and verse number 1, they need to hear it. So Timothy chapter two or chapter four verse two, preach the word. They need to hear it. Preach the word and be instant in season, out of season. Paul said to the uh, to the uh, uh, the church in in, uh, in Corinth. He said, to, uh, uh, "Brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord." For as much as you know that your labor is not in the vein of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58. But we ought to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, we ought to be rooted and grounded in Christ. Paul said there in Philippians, or excuse me, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse number 8, uh, he says there that we ought to be rooted and, and built up and established in the faith of God. Well, I tell you, people need to hear the word of God in our life. Why? He goes on and he says, beware. In, in uh, the book of Colossians, I believe it's chapter 1, verse number 8. Beware, lest any man spoil you through the philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. He's saying, listen, you better be careful because there are those in today's day that will come in and spoil those that are around. You know what that word spoil means? I'm not talking about the fungus that's growing on your sour cream in the refrigerator right now. That's what I'm not talking. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being carried away, taken away, captive away. You know what that was? He used the word spoil as one that conquered a city. Those that had a had a trial or had a had a uh, a fight with a city and conquered that city, they would annihilate everybody and everything that had value. They would take it and take it to themselves. It was a spoil. Joshua was told by God not to take of the cursed thing or of all the spoils. But now you'll find that there are those that want to take you and me and lead you away with philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Say, preacher, you're hard on preaching. Yes, I am. You know why? Because we need to be. I need that. You need that. Hey, being, being a Christian is a wonderful thing, but we got a great responsibility. And that's telling others about God. Why? Well, look up. For your redemption draws us nigh. Time's coming. Where Jesus will come with a cloud. The trump of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise. And we which are alive and remain. We shall be caught up together with the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What about those that do not? What about those that are left? That's our purpose. Is to tell others so they aren't left. 
because of the power, because of time, because people need to hear. He says, reprove, rebuke, exhort. They need to hear the gospel of Christ. Now, two verses that you've learned many times. You read this with me. Romans 10, 17. Say it out loud with me. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. People need to hear, don't they? Who's going to tell them? Who's going to tell them? Well, then you go down in the next verse. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Say this with me. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You know what that means? A proclaimer, an evangelist. It's our job, our responsibility to do the work of an evangelist. It's not just your pastors. It's not just Brother Dwight Smith and Brother Paul Crow that's going to be involved in it. It's each and every one of us. We have to put forth effort, energy, time, prayer, finances, all these things to let God do what he needs to do in the lives of those around. But you ought to be encouraged. Listen, what are you doing for God today? As we talked about in, in uh, Sunday school, are you running from God? Or are you running to God? And by the way, you can't be either or. You've got to be one or the other. You, you've, got to, you've got to be either coming to God or you're running from God. You know what backslidden is? It's moving backwards. And you and I have a tendency to be complacent, which is moving backwards. If you're not progressing, then you're backsliding. What are you doing for the Lord? What have you done for God? What does God have for you to do? Well, can I say, he wants each of one of us to do the work of an evangelist because time is at essence. People need to hear, and the power of God can do a great work.